Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. It's almost D-Day, the most anticipated and dreaded holiday of the year. We use words like blessed chaos, organized disaster, and not crowded, we're cozy. It's not that we don't love our families. We absolutely do. It's not that we don't want to get together. It's that we break our patterns and our routines. For men who must travel to the homes of others, we must subject ourselves to the rules and the remote control and the edicts of the king in whose castle we now abide. For moms, you must subject your kids to the awkward cousins, the spawn of your brother or sister slash childhood mortal enemy. Some of you folks, you make it look easy. You throw your bags in the trunk and off you go. Maybe you were internally biting the bullet, but you do it with such class. For me, big family holiday events are a little like the kid in grade school that set a little ways from you. After getting his food, he would sit down and take a spoon and start mixing all of his food together, mashed potatoes, corn, peaches, and ham, all stirred up into one unrecognizable, unidentifiable pile. The school-issued lunch trays had raised edges to separate the food. I don't want my mashed potatoes touching the corn, or my peaches touching the ham. The maybe not-so-obvious metaphor is that the various self-contained segments on the school-issued lunch trays, they're like homes, and everyone should stay in their own. I'm not anti-family. I'm, I'm pro-family, maybe even a little overboard. But the problem with family is another similar word, familiarity. Sometimes going back home, you must go back to the same role you used to have. Maybe you were the caretaker. You took care of everybody's problems. You made sure that the meal was prepared right, and you made sure that nobody got their toes stepped on. Maybe you were the peacemaker. Maybe you were the wild one. You were the party. And so when you go home, you feel this deep need to return to the previous patterns. But we're adults now. We've changed. We've built our own lives. We've disconnected with certain things that family deemed important, and we've replaced them with our own ideas. We've changed our religious views in some ways, our political views, our social views. And now sometimes when you go home, you have to put on the old you, like an old shirt, two sizes too small. It has an itchy tag, and it's a color that you haven't worn since you were a kid. Well, here comes Jared and his family, late as usual. Well, thank goodness Kathy's here. Nothing would happen if she wasn't. Tim's here, the black sheep. Don't ask her to do it. She probably has her hands full. Oh, look at you. I remember when you were a kid. You got your head stuck in the railing. Some people never seem to grow or forget. They seem to be unable to move past the history. They tend to hold on to things that make them feel superior. They want to reach for something that makes them feel comfortable. Because we think that we can control something that is familiar. It happens to all of us. It's a game that is as old as time. But tonight, I want to write you a permission slip. It's for the next couple of weeks, 
For many of us, we have grown a lot through the last year. We have learned new things. We have allowed God access to our hearts in ways that he never had before. You've been a light to your community, to your family, to your friends, and even to your enemies. You've developed new commitments. Some of you have recently given your life to Christ. Others of you, you're on this new walk with God and you are still discovering who it is that you are. So, here's the permission slip. Do not let old customs and versions of you reemerge under the pressure of what some can call obligations. That need to change anything when God is making you something different. There's this interesting conversation that is recorded in Matthew 13. Jesus' ministry was really taking off. He in, he's invited to speak all over the place. He had healed the sick, loved the downtrodden, and taught people that the kingdom of God was unfolding before their very eyes. He had quieted the doubters. He had shut up the haters, and he had broke the customs. Then it was time to go back home. He was asked to speak in his hometown synagogue. Other regions had recognized him as a great teacher, and now his hometown wanted to associate themselves with his newfound celebrity. Matthew 13, 54-57 When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and, this, and these miraculous powers? They asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters here with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. There was this sense of shock with his own people. It was like they couldn't understand why he had changed. He was just like them at one point, but now they thought he thinks he's better than us. He thinks he's so important. Now let's look at a portion of the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 6. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called all the people, the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where was the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet was this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They answered King Herod, like everybody knows the answer to this. Everybody knows where the Messiah is coming from. There was absolutely no question. These same people who wanted to discredit Jesus in his hometown were raised hearing the same teachings from the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They knew that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. They had been tracking the prophecies and all the freakish events that took place surrounding his birth. These were close-knit families. They knew each other's stories, but still, 
There was something in them that didn't like the idea that God was going to use him differently than he was using them. The Christmas story is a common story this time of year. You probably passed a few nativity scenes on your way to church. The radio stations are playing songs that we sing in church during Christmas every single year. We even call it Christmas, Christ Mass. And even for us, good church-going folks, we can do the same thing. Grow so familiar with the story that we can't wait to see our kids open up their presents. To hook up the new Xbox, to play the new device, to give and to get, and we never take time to recognize that God came to earth in the form of a child so that we could truly know him, not just be familiar with him. So tomorrow, before the blessed chaos, before the organized disaster, and before you break all your routines and you get cozy instead of crowded, take time to read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18, all the way through to chapter 2, verse 23. Let the images soak in. Let your eyes be open to things that you've never seen before. Have the kids gather around. And dads, you read the story to your little ones. Moms, you read the story to your little ones. So that we will never grow so familiar with the Christmas story that we stop seeing the miracles right under our noses. Love you. Merry Christmas.